This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is Katie Testrum, a sex worker and writer whose work focuses on disability justice. Her forthcoming book about prison abolition and disability justice is coming out in late 2023. And here we are reading a letter from a listener. I think it's you know slightly in line with what you and I have just been discussing, uh, just in terms of like trying to navigate uh, another person's woundedness uh, while also trying not to jostle your own woundedness and and how to do so in a way that is like uh, mutually sympathetic and, and reasonable for all. So, uh, with that goal in mind, I'll, I'll read the last letter. The subject is triggered and tongue-tied. My spouse and I are both in our mid thirties and come from very different backgrounds. I was raised by parents who were physically, emotionally, and sexually abusive for years before maiming and abandoning me as a teen. I've struggled for years with PTSD, but I'm now healing with therapy and medication. My partner was raised by a loving family in a country that promotes incredulity towards mental illness. They're also a fairly fluent English as a second language speaker. Though they believe my experiences as statements of fact and want to comfort me when I'm hurting, They don't understand the severity of my trauma and often react with confusion towards my symptoms, despite my efforts to share my perspective and theirs to learn. In the past, we've incorporated resources in their first language when we've miscommunicated about difficult subjects, but because their country invalidates PTSD as an illness, the resources that we have found are misleading or outright damaging. Hiring a translation service for this language is prohibitively expensive. Our relationship is truly wonderful, meaningful, and mutually supportive otherwise, but I am desperate for my partner to understand how to help me when I wake up sobbing and screaming, for instance. How can we develop a shared language around my mental illness? I feel like this is actually really useful to follow the last letter because in some ways there's a common theme of somebody saying like, I want to understand, but then that doesn't always line up with what happens in real life. But it seems to me, at least at at first blush reading this letter, the spouse in question really does want to be there for the letter writer, really does have at least like a reasonable ground level understanding of the situation and does seem to be putting forth genuine effort. That was my read at least, but I I could imagine a number of other uh, possible reactions. Did you have a particular sense when you were reading this? Like, I feel like the spouse in question is as on board as they need to be and it's just a question of specifics or did you feel something else? Yeah, I mean, I think kind of there's there's not really a way to know yet. So, and, and I agree that there's definitely a theme like with the last letter and kind of what I go back to too is just, is looking at the actions um, in terms of, so in terms of like, you know, how much can anyone understand anything? It doesn't mean, you know, there shouldn't be some level of comprehension, but I think you can't because you can't get inside people's brains. And I think it's important to, especially when it comes with like mental health stuff and just different kinds of like things, touchy things is to like, th- you know, things with, that are, that involve like emotions is that focusing more, trying, you know, focusing more on, on the behaviors than, than being like, I want them to really get this because you don't necessarily know what someone gets. So like me and my, you know, me and my spouse both have, um, 
significant mental health stuff. And we had to, you know, sometime when we were both like in a good place, good place, you know, talk about like, okay, like when this happens, can you please do this for me? And because you don't know. So I, you know, I see my spouse maybe having a panic attack and, you know, without talking to them, my first instinct might be to run and go get them water when really, you know, they would prefer that I stay there with them. And I don't know that until we talk about it, you know, because I, and I might be well-intentioned. I could be, you know, I could have understand everything, but people are different and different situations are different. And so it sounds like the partner is doing like everything that they, that they're being asked. Um, and it just sounds almost like, yeah, they don't know, they don't know what to do. And I think that the literary writer might, no one will ever understand exactly what the literary went through. It sounds terrible. I'm so sorry that that, that that happened to them. And maybe it's just like my own pessimism or weirdness, but I just feel like there's, there's like a certain, I just feel like focusing on someone really fully understanding isn't, isn't helpful um, because it's what, what sounds to me like would be more helpful is to come up with concrete. Okay. You know, cause she mentions like waking up from nightmares um, and, and I have nightmares too, where I like wake up from in the middle of the night and, and it's just saying, okay, when this happens, can you please do this? And when this happens, can you please do this? And then, and or maybe, you know, explain together, you know, looking on websites about, okay, people who have nightmares, these are some things that they try. Cause that's talking, you can say anything. And so I think, you know, people really show like what they do understand or what they do care about by their actions. Like you're saying with the last one, you know, she might say one thing, but she's showing you that she doesn't care. And so with, um, it sounds like the, the partner would, you know, happily do whatever they can to be helpful, but it just sounds like they don't really know. And, and I feel like the letter writer thinks that if they understood trauma more, like if they understood the more then they would automatically know what to do in that and that's not necessarily true because sometimes because people are different more than anything this sounds just like a communication issue and I'm definitely like projecting because uh, with my own trauma but <laughs> but like you know I think what the literator needs to understand like the literator sounds like they might be looking more for validation than understanding and by that I mean like I think they want their partner to say like oh it really was that bad or it really was you know what you went through was horrible or, or whatever or just being there for her, for them in the way that they, that's helpful. Yeah. I think I share your sense. I, I don't want to go full like 18th century marriage of convenience. Like um, all you need is the bare minimum from your spouse. Like I totally understand why you want your partner to, you know, at least be within the same ballpark as you in terms of understanding like formative childhood trauma. But I, I do agree that there are probably opportunities here to get specific about, okay, Given like a general agreement, what are the basic things that I need from my partner in the moment? And then how can I broaden my network of support rather than, you know, I don't want to assume that the letter writer doesn't have uh, like outside therapy or outside friends. They, they mentioned therapy and medication. Um, but I'm just wondering if like, for example, like you say your partner wants to help and and just doesn't know what to do when you wake up sobbing and screaming in the middle of the night. I would encourage you maybe with your therapist to come up with a plan, like a, a literal list that you can actually physically write out and have at your bedside. That's just like, what are some things that would actually help me if I wake up screaming in, in the middle of the night? And maybe you want to go through multiple drafts of it. You know, maybe for some people it's like, don't touch me, give me my space. Maybe for somebody else, it's like, put a hand gently on my shoulder, but like announce yourself and like ask 
if I want to be held. Um, maybe it's bring me a glass of water. Maybe it's like ask me one or two questions that's like, hey, do you know where you are right now? Do you know what what day it is? Or like centering basic questions that will remind you of like what's in the room? What can you see? What can you smell? What can you hear? Etc. Again, long list of possible options here. I don't want to like get married to any particular um, outcome, but to like literally have like a little written out list of like things your partner can do and to discuss it sometime when you're both awake and nobody's being triggered, um, I think will go a long way towards I don't need you to learn a new concept. I don't need you to have a conversation with me about this. You've told me you want to be helpful. You know this sometimes happens. Here's the list. Let's both look at it. Now you can do those things next time. And again, like doing it with the help of your therapist will go a long ways towards making you feel just more relief knowing like I'm not going to have to have a conversation in the middle of the night again about what PTSD is when I'm like awakening from a nightmare and screaming and my partner's like, what's going on? You know, just really stick to when this happens, when I'm in this kind of distress, I need help focusing, I need to be reassured, I need space, I need contact, whatever. I think that's step one. And then I would maybe add to, on top of the therapy and medication, maybe you want to also look for some support groups for people who experienced like, uh, you know, uh, physical and sexual abuse from their parents when they were children. Maybe that feels really, really heavy and you don't want to go anywhere near that. You certainly don't have to, but I, I would encourage you to like expand the circle of people that you do talk about this with. Um, and I think like a uh, you know supervised support group that also has somebody on hand who is a mental health professional to kind of like guide the conversation and keep it from veering into like too many dangerous places might be really useful for you where you know you can just go and talk to multiple people and you don't have to explain a thing. Yeah, I, I agree. And I also want to kind of, in terms of framing this and, and every, you know, every person has needs, right? Like some needs are seen as kind of standard and then some needs are seen as like, oh, well, you're disabled. So you have needs, but not just disabled people have needs too. People without trauma have needs too. You know, some people are like, oh, don't talk to me until after I had my coffee or Mm -hmm. whatever. You know, we all have these things about us that, you know, affect how we need to be. And some of them, you know, might be related to different things, you know, trauma. Some of them might be, you know, fall under umbrellas of certain diagnoses or whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, if you take all that out of it, you know, really bad stuff happened to you. Um, terrible stuff happened to you as a child. And and that still affects you. And that's hard. And, and you know, and you need, here, you know, here are some ways that your partner can help you. Or um, they don't need to understand, you know, like, the medical parts of it or the, the, you know, the most important thing to understand is, is to understand you and to trust you. And I think that, you know, part of it is just because as disabled people, we have needs that are not considered, you know, that might be a little bit different than other people's. And so are we, we're seen as having needs, but they're not, but I would just encourage the framing of it too, is, is, you know, this isn't anything that we don't do in relationships all the time with just negotiating, you know, our needs and wants and, and with that different energy we have, you know, maybe, you know, maybe the partner will, maybe they'll be really nice when you have a nightmare, but then the next time, you know, they, they just went to sleep and, and they are a little grumbly or something. Um, and it's just negotiating those. And especially, you know, if you trust each other that you really have, if you really have each other's best interests at heart, then, you know, you'll figure it out, but it really is just about communicating and, focusing on the things that they, they can show you, you know, you can't see inside someone's head. So focusing on like, okay, here are ways that here's what you can do and just 
And when, when next thing is, you know, if you know these different things is, is planning. And like Dan said, like looking to other people and other resources and seeing how other people do it, because, you know, unfortunately this isn't uncommon and we don't need to treat this stuff as if like, oh, we're these different kind of people, you know, we're, there's, there's regular people and there's traumatized people. And, you know, not to say that what happened to Liberator isn't, isn't egregious and, and extreme, but just that everyone has needs and, and it's just a matter of, okay, like what, you know, oh, it's more common to have these kind of needs, but these kind of needs are also actually pretty common. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, Liberator, it does seem to me like your spouse is, is, enough on board that like you have a good shared basis. I think you can also at this point tell your partner, I need you to stop reacting with confusion towards my symptoms. Like you two have been married for, it sounds like a little while. Like they know you fairly well at this point. It doesn't sound like you've been exhibiting brand new symptoms lately. Like at this point, I think one of the things you should say is I need something specific from you. And that is at this point, if you are confused about my symptoms, um, I need you to not share that with me. Um, I, I feel like I've explained them as thoroughly as I can. And if there's any sort of residual uncertainty, I just need you to chalk that up to someone hurt me in the past and that hurt still reverberates in my life and I need your help right now. So if you're just like, I don't understand why it manifests in this or that way, share that with a therapist of your own, write it in a journal, talk about it with a friend, do what you need to do, but you need to stop sharing that confusion with me. Um, that is one way that you can offer me tangible support. I think that's a reasonable thing to ask. I think that at a certain point, endless search for new resources to like drill down perfectly um, how to explain this beautifully can become counterproductive and even damaging because it can start to feel like, how do they still not get it, even though we've had this conversation again and again? And I don't want to accuse your your partner of like deliberate stonewalling, but I do think that if you make this request and they keep doing the whole, what is this routine? I'm shocked and staggered to see you upset. Um, then it might be time to start asking questions about whether or not your partner is as supportive as they claim to be. Again, I don't think we're there yet, but I do think that you can ask for them to like withhold that affect from you um, and if they don't, you know, bring it up with your therapist, strategize with your close friends and, and, you know, escalate a little bit and say like, it really needs to stop. And if it doesn't stop beyond that, then, you know, then, then you'd be in a slightly different situation. I don't want to go too far down that road, but I, I think they just, they don't need to keep sharing this confusion with you. Maybe they'll never perfectly understand it. Fine. But like confusion only serves its purpose for so long, right? Like if someone acts confused about something for years and years and years, there's just a limit to how much you can explain it, right? Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, I feel like it's kind of the, what we keep hitting to is you can only, people won't understand things they don't want to, or they won't learn things that they're, that if they, they can close their brain to it. And I do think another idea that is along the same lines, but is if the letter writer has a therapist is either um, bringing the spouse in, together or just even letting the therapist talk to them or, or another mental health professional who can answer, who can explain any questions that the partner has without, you know, so that way in the literator doesn't even have to be part of it. So that way they can get their questions answered. And, you know, if there really is something they're confused about, they can get those answers. And then, you know, that can quote unquote confusion won't be an issue anymore. Yeah. And again, I really hope this works out. I think it's very likely that your partner just like wants to be on your side and, and just needs a little more guidance. But letter writer, I do want to encourage you, 
if you do take some of these steps and your partner's still in the middle of the night, if you wake up screaming, it's just like, what's going on? I'm so bewildered. Then I would, um, I hope that doesn't happen. If it does, I would encourage you to stop thinking of your partner as just someone who has had this explained insufficiently and start thinking of your partner who is um, not as supportive as they have claimed to be and that you need to start looking at their actions rather than their their claims. Um, and I, again, I hope that doesn't come to pass, but if it does, take it seriously and, and think of them as, in fact, an unsupportive person. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to leave them immediately, but it, it will mean um, reconfiguring the way that you think about this, the way that you talk about it with them, and and what you do share with them. So... I wish you nothing but the best and as few nightmares as possible um, and a really, really rich and robust support system. So thank you again so much for writing in. Thank you for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up to subscribe or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Thanks. Also, if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations with a guest. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you'd like me to read your letter on the show, maybe you need a little advice, maybe some big advice, head to slate.com slash mood to find our Big Mood, Little Mood listener question form or find a link in the description on the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening.